I'm really glad you're here. Uh, I believe God's got a word to encourage you, something that's going to stir your heart a little bit today. And uh, so glad that you took some time to be with us. We want to do something this morning as um, we get ready to get into the word. I want to take some time and all together kind of fill this place with God's word. We want to read God's word. We want to honor God's word. And uh, so we're going to put some scriptures up on the screen uh, so that we all can read together and in unison. And uh, we're going to fill this place with God's word this morning as we honor him and honor his word. Uh, verses found in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 37. It's up on the screen. Let's all read it together. Ready, read. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Today I want to bring a message to you entitled, Unchurched, Unchurched. Now, before you take your seat, I want you to find at least three people, give them the good old shooter, McGavin, and say, take me to church, go ahead. Take me to church, go ahead, do it, do it, do it. Take me to church. When I was in probably about the ninth grade, uh, grew up in the church, always went to church, it was always part of my life, but when I was in ninth grade, I, I uh, decided to invite a friend of mine who lived in our neighborhood. We used to play all summer and all the time. We'd always hang out, and uh, my friend's name was Mike, and I, and I kind of went to him and said, hey, Mike, why don't you come to church with me? Would you, would you come to church? We're having something special uh, and so all, all, he came, and so we were hanging out. We were at church. It was a lot of fun, uh, games and stuff beforehand, just kind of chilling. And we got to the service, and we were in worship. Songs were playing. Band was jamming. And we got to one of those songs where, where your hands go up. And uh, I, I was sitting there, and I was just worshiping God, right? My hands were up, palms up towards the sky, just singing. And out of nowhere, all of a sudden, um, I felt this slap in my hands. And there was something cold in my hand, and I was like, what is happening? So I opened my eyes, and I looked to my right where Mike was standing, and he took like a quarter and slapped the quarter in my hand. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, what? why are you throwing money in my hands? He's like, dude, why do you have your hand out? What, do you need money or something? And it dawned on me that Mike had never been to church. He had never seen people worshiping God. He had no idea why we would even raise our hands. No, no concept of it at all. And I remember that moment so vividly. And as I started to get involved in ministry and go to Bible school, I remember this story. I mean, I, could, I remember it so clear. I, could, I remember where I was sitting in the sanctuary where we were at. I, I remember what row we were sitting on. I remember Mike was sitting to my... I, I remember so much of this exchange so vividly. And it created in me a conviction and a passion to be a part of church in a way that if you've never been to church, you still can show up and feel welcome. That even if you don't know when to stand up, when to sit down, what the songs are, what's going on, why, that 
I wanted to be a part of a church that would help people know what we did and why we did it. That would not leave anybody on the outside looking in, but invited anybody who wanted to to come onto the inside and feel at home and at ease. And that's why we have church the way we have church here today. In this series, we've been looking at two really important questions. The first question we've been looking at is, who is our neighbor? And the second question we've been asking every week is, how do we neighbor them? Once we identify who they are, we want to identify how we neighbor them. Today, I want to talk to you about a group of people known as unchurched people. Unchurched people. Now, from the outside looking in, if we are willing to be honest, as people who are quote-unquote Christians, we do some strange things. If you're not a part of faith, if you've never been to church, if you don't know what it means to follow you, we do some strain, some things that make people like my friend Mike know, are they waiting for me to put money in their hands or what? Uh, you don't have to look very far. You don't have to look very far beyond uh, the multiplicity of Christian cliches that we say to know that sometimes just the way we talk makes people scratch their head and be like, what are they talking about? Now, only if you're honest. And, 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 and I've been in church my entire life. I am a church boy. I am church folk through and through. Uh, and so I, I know I'm t- knowing this is what we say. Just take the phrase, um, on fire for Jesus. Never been to church? You're wondering what kind of pyromaniacs are these people? They're setting themselves on fire. This is a problem. Right, like that just doesn't make, make sense. We, we talk about being washed by the blood of the lamb. Um, we're bathing in blood? This is weird. I knew I should never go to church. Right, like it just doesn't make a lot of sense unless you are on the inside and, and you know what it means. And we don't, we don't mean to do things in a way that keeps people who are on the outside who don't know. We don't really intend to offend. We don't intend to like keep them at an arm's distance. We don't intend to like make ourselves sound arrogant all the time. Uh, you're like, what? Yeah. Like, have you ever met somebody and they're like, hey, how you doing? And they respond, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. What are they supposed to do with that? Good. Okay. Kids are good. Oh, yeah, they're great. They're blessed. All right. Like, and I get it. Like, I'm, I'm all for speaking and using our words to shape our future and speaking truth and speaking in faith and declaring God's promises. And I do that in my life. And I, and I do it in, in personal time where I'm doing it. But when I'm having a conversation with another person, I don't want to say things that I'm going to later have to explain further and more and more. Like it doesn't help them. Like they're left to say like, okay, so you're better than me. Is that what you're like? Like I'm not trying to create more hurdles for them to see Jesus clearly. And I think unintentionally, as followers of Jesus, and the longer we are on the quote-unquote inside of Christianity, the easier it is to get confused with the clarity of the message of what we're actually trying to accomplish. There was a stat that I read that said 66% of millennials view going to church as hypocritical. 
they view it as going, going to church as, as hypocritical, which means that it's not so much that we need to make Jesus be relevant. I think it speaks more to the issue that we as Jesus followers need to be honest. And that in our church gatherings, we need to create a space where we can be honest about life. We, we can even be honest and joke a little bit about the things that we say that other people might not fully understand. We just need to be, we just need to be honest. And I believe that if we're going to create a space, if we're going to help people who are far away from God find truth and faith in him, we've got to be willing to acknowledge that people who are unchurched are our neighbor. We have a, a mantra uh, that we say, we, we call it our, our faith church manifesto. It's kind of like our creed of what we are living and dying by. It is our, our, our big long-term mission statement. At the end of our a manifesto, we have a phrase that says, whether you are far from faith whether you've fallen away from faith or you're really familiar with faith in Jesus, this is a place you can belong. This is a place you can belong. No matter your background, no matter how churched or unchurched you are, whether you used to go to church all the time and you haven't been for a really long time, no matter where you fall in the spectrum, this is a place where you can belong and we are going to do everything that we can to serve you when you show up to let you know that you matter that you have value and we do it in a way that is honoring to you we do things with excellence we pay attention to details i ironed a t-shirt this morning because i wanted to be excellent in everything i don't want you to look at me and say he's Old right out of bed with that t-shirt. Like some of you are like, you ironed a t-shirt? Yes, I ironed a t-shirt. You're like, I don't even iron collared shirts. We know. <laughs> we are well aware. You forgot what an iron. Like it's all right. And you can belong here. And you can belong here. We have to understand and recognize that as a church, we have to be intentional about the people who aren't yet here. Because they need to be here. They need to find the message and the truth. And we want to create a place where people can engage, not be more confused. I think church ought to be fun. And if we're not having fun in church, if we're not having fun in our faith, if we're not having fun and finding joy as we follow Jesus, we're doing it all wrong. I think it ought to be fun. I think it ought to be joyful. I think it ought to help us move forward. And, and we want to create a space in these gatherings as a church where people who are not churched can come to church. Well, pastor, the church isn't a building. The church is a people. I am the church. You're right. You are. The, the church is more than a building, but it's not less than the gathering. It is more than just a gathering, but it's not less than the gathering either. It matters, and we have an opportunity every seven days to create an environment that is engaging, that we can invite people who don't go to church to come to church to find out what church is all about and recognize that Jesus cares for them, loves them, and wants to be a part of their life. We are passionate about this. I think Jesus was passionate about this. Jesus was passionate about taking things that seemed really complex and complicated 
and bringing them down to our everyday life to where you knew how it mattered to you on Thursday, not just inspired you on a Sunday. And Jesus had a way of doing that. In fact, in the main kind of scripture that we've been looking at this whole entire series, in Luke chapter 10, uh, you can find this interaction that Jesus had. And if you have a copy of scripture, I'd love for you to, to join me in Luke chapter 10. If you don't have one, that's all right. Grab your phone, type in faithchurchks.org, click on sermon notes, and you can read the scriptures right there with us if you would like to follow along. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, Jesus uh, begins, uh, we, we read of an exchange and an interchange that Jesus had with uh, a leader in the, the law community. And he came to Jesus and he, and he said, hey, Jesus, uh, how do I get to heaven? Like, what's it really all about this whole God's kingdom thing? Like, like there's a lot of laws. There's a lot of things that we're supposed to do. What, what, what do you think is like the most important way to, to do that? And, and Jesus responds. He says, well, what do, you, what do you think? What does the law say? Well, he says, well, I think that we're really going to be, not make this complicated, the lawyer says. He says, I, I think that we've got to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then I think the next important thing is that we would love our neighbor as, as ourself. And Jesus was like, bravo, you, did, you got it. You got it. It's really just that simple. And it was so simple that the law said, the law guy said, hey, you know what? Um, a question then, uh, who's my neighbor? Come on, Jesus. Thanks for making it so simple. If it's this easy, who's my neighbor? And Jesus then tells a, a really interesting story and you're familiar with scripture you would maybe have heard it and for those of you that, that maybe this is kind of you're kind of new to scripture you may have not heard this story it's known as the good samaritan it in fact this story has kind of got a life of its own so much so that even in our culture anybody who's kind to a stranger we call that act a act of a good samaritan it's embedded itself even in, into our culture a little bit but the story goes like this. There was a man who was traveling uh, from Jerusalem, and he, he gets totally hijacked by a bunch of robbers. They beat him within an inch of his life, take everything they owned, left him half naked laying on the road, and, and departed. And along came this really, really spiritually elite kind of a person. And Saul's the man half, half dead, and, and the law was like, man, I can't, I can't touch something like that or I'll be unclean. And so he's like, I got, I got to keep abiding by my rules, and so I'm going to go the opposite direction because I can't be seen or known with people who are like that. I don't want to be unclean. So he goes the other way. Then, then a second person comes by. It's known as a Levite. Levites were people who worked in the, uh, and served in the temple. They, they, this, this person would be like somebody who serves on a serve team around here. He's holding the door, holding babies, leading small groups. Like, serve team member shows up and sees this guy totally beaten, broken. He's like, ah, I'm, I am late for my huddle. I got to get there on time. Ah, I got to go the other way. And he goes the other direction altogether. And the third guy that comes along is known as a Samaritan. Samaritan was a, a type of a person. It was somebody who was known as an inbred, somebody who was uh, racially ostracized because of who they were and where they grew up. They were shunned and avoided and hated and spat on and looked down on. This was the lowest of lowest of lows in their society. And he comes along and he sees this man totally there, half naked, and says, I, I got to do something. Picks him up, 
bandages him, puts him on his donkey, rides him to, to a safe inn where he can find more care and get rest and, and find medicine. And he, and he takes money out of it, his own pocket to pay for the health care of this man and says, whatever it costs, I'll pay for it. I'm going to pay the bill. And I'll come back by, and if what I've given you here isn't enough, I'll give you some more to make sure it's fully covered and he's taken care of. Just make sure he gets better. And Jesus concludes the parable and the story, and he looks at the, the man and, and he says, which of these three, O lawman, do you think is the man who, who, who was a neighbor to the man who fell to the robbers and thieves? And the lawyer kind of scratched his chin and as diplomatically as he could, responded, and you read this response in verse 37 of Luke chapter 10, the expert of the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him acted as the neighbor. Jesus looked at him and told him, cool, go and do likewise. You go do the, the same thing. We read that story and we hear that story and we're like, yes, we've got to help the people who are in need and we've got to love on them. And you're absolutely right. I just want to point out a couple things. That people who are in need of mercy likely have a life that looks really messy. It's not all put together. They don't have it all. They don't know the things that you know. Like, like their, their spiritual lives are probably pretty messy. Their theology is probably everywhere. They don't really understand what full truth is. They don't live like you, think like you, talk like you because their life is pretty messy right now. They're filtering everything through the, the chaos of their mess. Those are the people who need mercy. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says that the cross of Jesus or the, the truth of what Jesus provides for us, it is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, there are people who don't act like they're saved because they're not saved. And it is foolish to expect somebody who hasn't given their life to Jesus to act like they've given their life to Jesus. It, it would be like expecting a seven-year-old to know how to act and think and pay taxes and do a budget like you would expect a 37-year-old. That would be foolish to expect that. The cross is foolishness to those who, in other words, people who are outside of the faith, quit expecting them to act like and behave like people who are inside the faith. They're the ones that really need the mercy. They're the ones that need the mercy. In order for somebody to need mercy, they would have had to have done something to require mercy. That's the neighbor. That's the neighbor. That Jesus said it uh, like this. We read it in Matthew at the top of our time together. Jesus says, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done, done to me. In other words, Jesus is saying, you've got to take care of and love on the least of these. I think as a whole, Christ followers do a really good job of caring for the poor and those who are obvious in need. Those that would obviously be ignored or thrown away. I think overall as a body of Christ, like, like the church gets this idea of social injustice and really trying to help other people. I mean, we get it. Like we understand it. I think we can keep being more passionate, compassionate. I mean, we can keep moving forward. We can keep finding new ways to reach people who, who are in dire, dire, literal need. 
But I want to come at this from, from just another perspective for a second. Like, what if when Jesus said, whatever you've done to the least of these, he wasn't only talking about those who are down and out? I think it definitely includes that. But what if it also would include, what if the least of these would also include those that you think the least of? And for some of us, we think the least of people who have a lot in their life. They're really wealthy, the up and coming. We, we, we do really good at maybe being compassionate to those who have not, but we're really critical and judgmental of those who do have. What, what if loving the least of these isn't so much the ones that we think of the least, what if it is the ones that we, we really look at and we have the lowest possible view of? Or, or what if the loving the least of these are those that we just happen to think the least often about, the most forgotten about? I wonder if a lot of people have walked away from following Jesus because they showed up at a church and they had an experience at church that made them feel like they were the least thought of person that day. Nothing was prepared and ready. They were the least ready for them. They, they norm, it wasn't their normal to have that ready, and so they, it wasn't normal for them, and so they'd figure it out, and so they felt inconvenienced. And there were no seats and nobody to help them find a seat. Like, like I wonder, friends, as, as, a, as a body, as a group of people, as a gathering, I, I want us to recognize that those who are not yet here, we're not going to think of them very the least. In fact, in fact, everything that we do here on Sunday morning from how we structure our worship, what we do and what we don't do, how we approach serving and kids ministry and everything that we do, everything that we do, we do with those who have never been here coming here for the first time. We do it with them in mind first. We're not thinking of them the least often. We're thinking of them the most often. Why? Because we want to create an environment where the unchurched can come to church and find Christ. That's why we're doing what we do it. And we do it in, in three real basic ways as a, as a church. There are three things that we do really intentionally to create that kind of environment, to do that. Number one, we, we, do, we do this. We value simple. We value simple. We're not trying to, like, complicate what it means to follow Jesus. We're just trying to keep it really simple. We want to we have a service that's simple, that if you are outside the faith, you can feel welcomed. And if you're inside the faith, you know you're strengthened. Every Sunday. Every Sunday, every Sunday we want it to be a life-giving experience and we want to challenge you to take a next step in your spiritual life. Whatever step that is, we want you to take a next step. That means you would, the first step may have been you showed up to church for the first time, you have no idea where anybody is or anything else. Maybe your next step is you just didn't leave the service. Congratulations, you stayed the whole time. That's a great first step, right? Like, that's what we want this experience to be. We, we want to... We want to create a space and keep it really simple where, where, where if you don't want to be known and you don't want to fill anything out and you don't want to say nothing to nobody, that's okay. We're not going to tackle you, show up at your house the next day. Like, no, but we want to make it really, really simple. 
that if you're ready to get to know somebody, you can take that step. It's as simple as texting a word, hello. Try to make it as simple as we possibly can. We're, we're okay with people who are coming here for the first time to sit back and to act like consumers. We're really okay with that. We're going we're gonna to do some things to serve them and provide value to help them know that they matter to God. They matter to us. We're going to stand in the aisles. We're going to clap. We're going to smile. We're going to be the people of God in a way that says hello to people that we don't know, haven't seen before, and we're not going to judge them because we know where they were at on Saturday night because we were there too. We're not going to do that. We, we're going to create an environment that's simple for everybody to be able to participate in. We, we say it really like this. Every Sunday is a space for people to know and hear that they belong. You don't have to believe like we believe to belong here. You don't even have to behave like we behave to belong here. It doesn't matter your background your lifestyle choice, doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter your gender, it doesn't matter your history, what denomination you grew up in or didn't grow up in, this is a place you can belong. And when you know that you are loved and valued and you have honor and, and people give you honor and people treat you like you matter because you do matter to God. And when people begin to do that, something in you opens up to begin to believe in a God who would do that for you. And when you begin to believe in a God, you know what eventually happens? The Holy Spirit starts to work on your heart and your behavior begins to change more in line with what you believe God's word says. And the only reason you've even started to believe it is because you first knew that without a doubt, you belonged here. We, as a church, are not in a hurry to see you try to become the perfect Christian. We are okay with you taking the time that you need, recognizing that this is a trusted place that you can belong here while you begin to see what God has to say about your beliefs that eventually transform your behavior. We're really okay with that. Why? Because we keep it really simple. It's about Jesus. It's about our belief in him. It's about trusting in him. It's about pursuing him. There's something that's really, really simple. We don't want you to feel like you're the least of or the least thought of. We don't want you to show up and need mercy and never find the mercy because our message was crazy or it didn't make sense. Or No, we want to keep it really, really simple. Another thing that we do, we not only keep it simple, number two, we, we want to leverage social media. We really do leverage social media, not to promote something, but to create an opportunity for engagement. We see, we see social media and the digital uh, website and other things that we're doing. We see those as tools in our hand to bring a message to people who aren't here. 
And you can participate in it. You can uh, snap a picture of, of what your Sunday's looking like. You can uh, 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 share it on your social. You can grab a little recording of the worship or a clip of the sermon and put it on your Snapchat or Instagram story, tagging the church as you go. Or, or, or you can check in on Facebook at the end of the day and post, like, here's what, I, here's what God said to me. Here's why I love this place. Here's what's going on. And you can share your experience while you're here, not because you're trying to be like, oh, look, I went to church. Look how awesome I am. No, because you're giving people who aren't here to see it an idea of what it looks like so they know, oh, that's what I can expect when I show up. And it brings them a sense of peace and calm. See, we want to leverage those things. We want to leverage those things because I don't know if you realize this, but attending church on Sundays used to be a way of life for most Americans, but we're living through the greatest communication shift in our society in over 500 years. Huge communication shift at play. Hey, listen to some of these stats. O only two in 10 millennials believe that church attendance is even important. Two out of 10. 59% of millennials who grew up in the church have dropped out at some point. So for those who are 39 and younger, at some point, 59% of them dropped out, stopped going to church altogether at some point in their life. Because it's not important. Why would they? They don't feel welcome. They, they don't feel like it's answering anything. They don't feel like there's, there's some things. Listen, and if present trends continue, uh, the percentage of the American population uh, that attends church by the year 2050 is estimated to drop from 20.4% of the population currently to 11.7% of the American population attending church and a part of a faith community. We have to be intentional about creating a space where those who are unchurched can come to church and find Christ. We have to be radically, we have to find new ways of reaching people where they're at digitally, creating engagement and helping uh, find these intersections between faith and culture. And it's critical for us to do it. We have to leverage the hours that we have beyond just these moments, this, this, this one-hour experience. We have to find ways to engage with people outside of that. It matters. And that's why we use social media the way that we do. To, to borrow a, a phrase from pa our friend Pastor Craig Rochelle at Life Church, he would say it this way, and you've heard me say it before. We will do anything short of sin to reach somebody for Jesus. Whatever it takes, if I have to wear a chicken suit on Sunday mornings to help communicate the gospel, I'm willing to do just about anything if it doesn't qualify as sin to help somebody understand that the cross of Jesus Christ is crucial for their life and it will forever change who they are. We're not trying to create a space where people are unwelcome. We want to do everything we can and third, the way that we do this, we, we not only keep it simple and really value that, we not only leverage social media and interacting and sharing things to help bring the message to people, but man, we participate by sharing an invite. We participate by sharing an invite. We intentionally keep the church activities and calendar really, really simple. Almost nothing. Why? Why? 
so that you have plenty of space during the week to create friendships with people who don't know Jesus, to eventually leverage the relational equity that you've established with them so that they would say yes to a simple invitation to come to church with you. It's called investing and inviting. Did you know three out of four people will come to church if you personally invited them? Personally, sent them a text, called them, handed them something, said, would you come to church with me this Sunday? Three out of four people that you work with would say yes. They would, three, you could get three out of four people, according to the statistic, here next Sunday if you just personally ask them to come. You don't have to tell the testimony. You don't have to preach a message. You don't have to sing a worship song. You don't have to lead them in a sinner's prayer. All you've got to do is be friendly, showing them the love of God, being attractional in your life in a way that other people, the people around you be like, man, something's working for this guy. Something's going on with this gal. This person's got a marriage that I really want to see. These people have figured something out. Something is different. I want to know what it is. If they're saying it's church, I'm willing to go. Share an invite. Share an invite. The reason why uh, today on your way out, we have church uh, bumper stickers that we make available for you. You don't have to take one if you don't want one, but we have these available for you. The reason why we have church merch, that's church merchandise for those of you that aren't up on the lingo. Church merch, merchandise. The reason why we have all these things is not to make money because we don't sell them for nearly enough to do that. The reason why we have these things, because these are tools for you to create easy conversation starters. We've heard stories of people invite somebody to come to church, and they're like, where do you go to church? Well, I go to Faith Church down off the highway. Was that the old branding? Yeah, it used to be a steakhouse and a bar. It's not a bar anymore. Well, the bar's there, but we don't like serve. It's just come. Check, check it out. And they're like, I, I've seen those stickers everywhere. It's just part of a conversation tool so that you can invite people to experience something that's different. Matthew 9, verse 12, out of the message paraphrase says this. Jesus, overhearing them, shot back. Who do you think needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick? Who needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick? I want you to go figure out what this scripture says. I'm after mercy not religion. I'm here to invite the outsider, not coddle the insider. Why do we do church the way that we do? It's not to coddle the insider, make Christians feel good about their lives. No, we're going to preach in a way that helps you transform so that you know that you're not just inspired on Sunday, but you're transformed living it out on Wednesday and Thursday and winning on Friday. We do it, we do church in a way that those who are unchurched when they show up to church know that they're welcomed and invited. We're not, we're not trying to coddle insiders, make it comfortable for the way that we like it, our style, our approach, our tunes, our music, our stuff. No, no. We're doing things in a way that helps the person who's here for the first time not be distracted, not be, not, not be upset, but to know that they belong, they can know somebody and feel valued and honored and blessed. Listen, listen, friends, church must stop being something that you just go to. It's time for church to be something that you participate in being and in creating. Here's the bottom line today. 
bottom line for the whole message, sermon in one sentence. Church is a place anyone can belong. So invite somebody else to belong to. Invite them to belong. Today, as you sat down, there are some invite cards that look like this. For our series that we're starting next Sunday, God never said that. We're going to have a lot of fun. This is a great series to invite your friends to come to. Be really practical, really engaging. We're going we're gonna to bust up some things like God, God never gives you more than you can handle. Heard anybody ever say that? It's not in Scripture. God never said that. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Easy, easy ser- series to invite somebody who's never been to church, doesn't go to church anywhere, to come and be a part of church. I want you to pray about it this week. Who's one person? Not 17, not 37. Who's one person that you can invite to come to church with you? Not share it on Facebook. Hey, anybody who wants to come, come. No, one person you can personally look eye to eye and say, you come to church with me, I'll save you a seat. One person this week. That's it. Just one. I believe with all of my heart that this is a place anybody can belong where the unchurched can come to church to discover who Christ is. It's evident. Many of you have experienced that, and that's why you're here. That's that's why you're doing what you do. That's why some of you serve the way that you serve. That's why you're part of of what you're doing. When, When my wife and I, we got here in the end of 2016, and Pastor Tim and Gypsy, who were here for 18 years, incredible people, who loved people deeply and valued preaching God's word. I'm so grateful for their leadership. When we arrived here at the church, my wife and I, when we transitioned to became the pastors here, the church was uh, averaging about a, a hundred people on, on a weekend. We counted dead mice and everybody. I mean, it, they were here. Amen. Counted them. And in the last three years, our church has grown from where we were about 100 to now where for the last seven weeks, we've been averaging 390 plus people every single Sunday. In fact, for the last, for the last three weeks, for the last three weeks, we've been at 400 and more, just in the last three weeks. But that's, that's not the best part. See, in... 2017, we saw 36 people say yes to Jesus Christ and discover who he was. In 2018, we saw 89 people say yes to Jesus Christ. And so far, in 2019, to date, year to date, we have seen 73 people already say yes to Jesus Christ. Last week, we had a Catch the Vision class in Somebody was asking our, one of our staff members afterwards, so what, what's been the, like, what flipped the switch? Like, what, what was it? And the, the response was, wasn't, well, we just started praying more. The response wasn't, we changed the dress code. The response wasn't, pastor is really good looking. 
although they would have been given a bonus this week had that been the answer. No, I'm just kidding. The, the response was, you know what? I really think it comes down to this. We really began to clarify why we're here. We got a clear vision. And we began to do everything practical that we possibly could to make sure everything aligns with that. What is it we're trying to do as a church? We bring faith to life. We make it be in living color everywhere we go. And wherever you are at, whether you are familiar with it, whether you've fallen away with faith, or you are, you are completely far from faith, the faith seed that exists in you, we want to help introduce you to Jesus and it finally come alive in your life. We are relentless and committed. We will do any and everything that we possibly can to create a space for people who are unchurched to come to church so they can find Christ in their life. Every, every week, friends, we want to create a place where the people that you know whose life is a bit messy, whose marriage is shattered, whose finances are upside down, can't help but gripe and complain and get frustrated and they're angry. You know, the people that you know that they need the mercy of God. We're not going to think the least of them or think of them the least often. We think about them all the time because what you've done to the least of these it's done for me who's my neighbor those who aren't in church whose life is a mess who's in desperate need of God's amazing life changing never ending never failing mercy it's people like you and like me we will do everything we possibly can not to build the church but to empty the population of hell and we want to partner with you to create an environment where you can invite them to come and here's my promise there will not be a single Sunday that we just throw away where it's not important where we're not going to serve with excellence where we're not going to have people serving, where we're not going to have opportunities for, for people to experience it. No, every, every week, it's not going to be a throwaway. We're not just going to mail it in and let whatever happen, happen. No, we are committed to making sure every weekend is an environment that is life-giving and helps anybody take a next step towards Christ. That's my commitment to you. Who do you know? is unchurched you can invite to church so they can encounter Christ this is the place you belong so let's invite other people to belong to would you stand with me would you maybe be willing to take one of these invite cards in your hand just put it in your hand lay one hand on top one hand on the bottom 
Would you bow your heads as we pray, God? This week, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. And help us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to know who in our circle, who in our friends, who in our life, maybe who at work that we know needs Jesus. God, would you give us the opportunity this week to invite them? Show us who the one person is that we can invite this week. And may we be willing to take that step of faith. God, I pray. Lord, I thank you, my Father, for every person in this room whose life has been changed because of Jesus. Lord, it's, this church is not built on the gifts of a few talented people. But Lord, this church is a, is, is a welcoming place because of the sacrifices of so many. So God, may we continue to be those people willing to sacrifice, willing to give, willing to contribute so that more people can find Jesus in their life. And I thank you for it. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said.